From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Dean Mackin on today's News Talk TNT Radio. And welcome to the show this afternoon here on TNT Radio, wherever you happen to be in the world today. It's already hump day. We're just over that little hump where we feel we've got most of our working week behind us. And it's an easy, cruisy run down to the other side. Still lots to contend with. And uh, certainly before I get on to any of that, a big thank you to Chris Smith. This hour, we're going to be talking to some terrific people. Gemma Cooper, of course. Uh, Simeon Boykov, a.k.a. the Aussie Kozak, is going to give us an update on what's happening. Uh, we spoke yesterday about some possible new legislation regarding uh, people that were in detention and what we could do with them. And if they were determined to be spies, for example, and it was very broadly, um, very loosely worded, I should say, uh, as to who could be considered one, they could strip you of your citizenship. Well, that's apparently happened. And we'll be talking to Simeon Boykov about that a little bit later today. The most outspoken Liberal MP in Victoria and ex-3AW uh, uh, talkback announcer Bernie Finn will be having a chat with him. He's one of my regulars and somebody who is across all subjects. But we will be talking to him about what's been happening down with the Victorian um, ombudsman, Deborah Glass. Now, she's finding something that we pretty much all knew, that uh, there is an increasing amount of politics and politicisation that is creeping into the Victorian parliament. Uh, I hear many of you saying, duh, we're feeling that. We're absolutely feeling it. The public in Victoria, and not just them, but all of us around Australia, cannot help but feel it. And of course, Dan Andrews uh, blasted out pretty much how they carry on to the world. And I think pretty much the whole world figured that out. But it's apparently been put into words, into uh, on pen to paper, and uh, we'll be talking to Bernie Finn a little bit about that and other things happening in Victoria and around Australia. Uh, Dr. Julie Sladden, a medical doctor, a freelance writer with a passion for transparency in medicine. I've spoken with her before. She's absolutely phenomenal and uh, somebody that I'm looking forward to talking to today here at TNT Radio. Now, somebody, anybody, I should say, who is a whistleblower, I'm going to give a high five too. I think you're terrific. I think you're brave. We've got uh, one of my fellow commentators here, David McBride. I spoke to him the other day, ex-military uh, whistleblower, a champion fellow, very nice guy too, I might add. And of course, his father, who will go down in history as the man, Dr. William McBride, who blew the whistle on thalidomide and saved countless people in the early 60s to mid-60s uh, from being born with mass deformities uh, due to that morning sickness drug that Australia just allowed in here and safe and effective. They probably considered it to be at the time, but no, one guy, one doctor, Dr. William McBride and his team uh, had their doubts and rather than sit there and hope that somebody else would do it, they stood up. And what they should get is a medal. What they should get is a prize. And you could argue you don't see that happening, but it is happening. It does happen. Australia-based uh, PNG whistleblower is now among the recipients of the International Free Speech Prize. Now, we are hearing the opposite happening right now in New Zealand. The Tawatu Aura Data Leaker, his name is Barry Young. Uh, he His house was, a, you know, surrounded by police. He's been arrested. They're charging him with accessing private data. This is data that he came by 
by way of doing his job. So he is aware of that data and as you would be as part of your job. If that data suggests something that is untoward, that is illegal, that is immoral or otherwise, I suggest as a fellow human being, it's your right to speak up. He's done that, he's being punished and no reward in sight. For Barry Young, the closest thing we might get to a reward for him is, I know Alex Jones is looking to have a chat with him. We'll be looking to have a chat with him as well. But certainly uh, one very high profile InfoWars character, Mr. Alex Jones, is uh, one of the more high profile people looking at wanting to have a chat with Barry Young. And we certainly will be doing that here as well. But let's get back to this particular character. His name is Neville, uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, Deviti. D-E-V-E-T-E or Devete, whatever you want. I'm a Devete of his now, I might add. Uh, he's been awarded the Blueprint for Free Speech Whistleblowing Award alongside Norwegian Tesla worker who exposed their alleged malpractice and the UK doctors who raised concerns about killer nurse uh, Lucy Letby. So a bunch of these people are being rewarded for their efforts. I think it's absolutely uh, tremendous that we're doing that. And a bunch of these people, like Mr. Devetti, that's how I'm going to pronounce it anyway, um, he was one of the more sort of high profile ones. And this happened back in 2013. So when it comes to being a whistleblower, if you ever are going to be rewarded we're talking decades and even one decade is pretty quick when you have a look at people like Dr. William McBride and the Australian government only just now apologising for that which he brought to light after more than five decades. But uh, yeah, this character, it was so bad for him. He had a very high profile job. In fact, he was the Solicitor General of Papua New Guinea and all the things that he raised actually led to something that was uh, uh, going to be the downfall of the Prime Minister there. As you might imagine, that didn't quite happen. The investigation into the Prime Minister didn't happen. And as a result of that, he fled to Australia some years ago because he just couldn't remain in Papua New Guinea, nor could Edward Snowden remain in America. That's what happens when you're a whistleblower. You have to flee to somewhere else. And instead, you should have a ticker tape Parade. You should be absolutely hailed as a hero by all of those around you. I think that's the way we should move forward. I hope that is happening, but we do have rewards uh, for those and awards for those who do the right thing. The wheels just turn very, very uh, slowly in that department. At TNT Radio, we never go home. We're committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We broadcast live 24-7 online globally, no matter what, and we've got you covered here at TNT Radio. Bringing you a world view. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. You can ask yourself what determines if you're a first world or a third world country or anything in between. We forever have been. I think we can, when I say we, I mean the UK, I mean here in Australia. And those of you listening in the US, we could always consider ourselves up until recently, I would add, uh, a first world country. So what does it make? What does it take for you to become a second or third world country? And uh, I have to bite my tongue at my initial response, and I won't say that. But the simple fact is, if you have a look at, at our level of employment, if you have a look at the quality of life that we enjoy, but more importantly, the quality of life that our children enjoy and the lifestyle that they will be accustomed to or will need to get used to moving forward, and things uh, aren't looking like they're getting any better at this point in time. We've got Gemma Cooper on, uh, a wonderful ex-BBC, um, just 
a comrade of mine. I shouldn't use the word comrade, should I? It, it really takes me over to the left, but certainly a mate of mine. She's absolutely wonderful. And we're going to have a chat with her about uh, what's happening with children and poverty over in the UK, because it's not looking too great over there at the moment, according to what I'm reading, Gemma. Well, no, you're quite right. I mean, it's a global uh, a poverty study into child poverty, poverty, which has been issued by UNICEF. And I, it, it does paint a very depressing picture for so-called first world countries. But before I get into it, I mean, it's hump day, it's Wednesday. I don't particularly want to <laughs> delve into depressing figures, but they're out and they do need looking at and analysing. But I must echo your comments about the New Zealand whistleblower and just to point people towards the Freeman report uh, from last Thursday, where uh, James Freeman broke this story. He interviewed Liz Gunn from the New New Zealand Loyalty Party, and he is in contact with the whistleblower, Barry Young, and we're hoping to get him on, uh, on that show. Uh, James Freeman broke that story here on TNT on the same day that Steve Kirsch was releasing the data at MIT in America, so, and it has caused a massive storm. Some people are kind of questioning why there are parts of that data missing, but there's no doubt whatsoever that data is legit because otherwise that guy wouldn't have been arrested, yeah. um, at, you know, and they wouldn't be trying to shut him up. They just think he was some nutter in a basement. Right. So it's a story to keep an eye on. And I absolutely agree with you, Dean. Whistleblowers are so important and so brave and so courageous. And here at TNT, we will welcome anyone, you know, who's got the courage to stand up against the system. So that's my little rant for the Wednesday. Done, you know, go for and, it, people. And go Gemma, for it. I, I, I love your rants. I think they're terrific, by the way. Um, and something that, that we have to uh, add to that, it's up to us. It's up to us when it comes to whistleblowers. We know what they're going to have to endure by way of politics, the police and the media. So if we can make a, a massive uh, effort to, you know, applaud them and to go out of our way and to spread the word from person to person, uh, whether that be on social media, face to face or whatever, we need to create an environment, a mindset where people just know that regardless of what might happen to you in the short term, in the long term, uh, and certainly by way of the people and how we feel about you, we're going to support you. We're going to have your back if you need uh, help with any kind of uh, monetary help with uh, legal fees and whatever, we're going to get on to wherever we have to, and we're going to help out with that as well. And we need them to know that. So more and more of them come forward. And there's never been a time in our history where we've needed so many whistleblowers. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Could not agree more. And here at TNT, we do provide a safe space uh, for people to come and talk freely about what really is going on. And it does seem that what really is going on when you look at this report from UNICEF is that the it is not looking good at all for so-called first world countries. They've recently published a league table of uh, child poverty in wealthy nations. So this is high income countries. Uh, they looked at 40 countries around the entire planet and the report compares relative income poverty rates. Um, so that's the population of people in that country who are below a certain threshold uh, relative to the average income of the average person in that country. And the changes were measured between a seven year period uh, between 2012 and 2014. They then compared the those poverty rates, child poverty rates to 2019, 2021. And we all know what happened uh, during those years. Yeah. Um, so out of 40 countries, I must say, Australia has come out of this the best of the lot. But out of 40 countries, the UK is, is 28th. So right at the bottom of the table, and it shows the highest increase 
in child poverty rates, along with very surprising numbers here. Switzerland, France and Iceland all showed huge increases in child poverty. Um, and, and America is even worse. You know, America's right at the bottom of the table, almost 34 out of 40. And one in four kids in America living in, in destitution, effectively. I mean, we have four million adults in this country in destitution. That's figures from a, a, a UK charity. We have 1.8 million kids in destitution, uh, which is way, way below the poverty line. Um, and New Zealand's below us, you know, 29th in the league table. You guys, Australia, you come out quite well, actually, I have to say. You're 18th. So you're kind of hovering around the middle. But overall, in wealthy countries, wealthy countries, we're not talking about third world countries. We're talking about the top 40 highest income countries in the world. We have 69 million children living in almost destitution, poverty rates, and that, and it's increasing. And you have to ask yourself why this is actually, Dean, because is it the result of the last three and a half years and all the craziness that went on? Um, because there was another report out yesterday in the UK showing how badly lockdown and um, homeschooling, taking kids out of school, not homeschooling, taking kids away from school had affected the numeracy and literacy rates in our country, which you know the government had done so much to improve on in recent years. That's gone by the wayside. Now, relative income rates have gone by the wayside. And of course, as you rightly say quite often on this show, the children are so important because how you treat your kids influences the next generation of adults. And I just wonder if you're raising 69 million children around the planet in abject poverty, the situations of how they grow up as adults, you know, is this by design? You know, and I know everyone says, oh, you know, Tim for hat wearing and conspiracy theories, but these are first world countries with the highest incomes in the world, producing a generation of highly stressed children I mean, that has implications for things like drugs and alcohol later on in life, your education rates, your ability to get a job. Is this heading towards the, you know, the dystopian future they've got planned for us if the next generation of kids in countries all over the world can't function fully as adults? Gemma, it's even more frightening because over the last three years, we've come to realise just how much money our governments can get their hands on if they need to. We won't even get into that but the simple fact is they have plenty of money if they need it and the one group i don't think any of us uh, conservatives would be doing this would be putting ourselves out there in the media and whatnot or or the politicians who do similarly to what we do um we wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for the kids i i think you know during our own life periods i think it'll be good enough to get by but we're doing this because we care about the kids and if they're not the ones that we should look after um above everything and here are our governments bringing mass numbers of people in with no no homes no whatever but they'll look after them they've got plenty of money for them but our own kids here in our own apparently first world nations they're letting them down there's something very very wrong with our government and uh, i would suggest anybody who is voting in such governments the fact that we have these options now and you know not just a few people on the crossbench all those on the crossbench they're those and all their party members who stood up at previous elections why haven't we gone over to them yet why aren't we voting for these parties that are out there parties of the people it really does worry me that we haven't woken up yet i'm having a look at what's probably going to happen at your general election in the uk and it looks like they're going to make the same mistake we made here and make an even worse choice than what we've had for the last you know, a few years. 
Very possibly. But you wonder if anything will actually change, because um, one of the conclusions is um, of this report is that the relative wealth of the country is no guarantee of the future generations that are being raised in that country. And also, you're quite right. <clears throat> excuse me. Our governments have got plenty of money um, because the report also concludes that it's the uh, any recovery of the of the kind of years after the global recession in 2008, where that a lot of countries picked themselves up and did quite well. All of that recovery was wiped out by the scandemic, but also the war in Ukraine is something they're blaming yep. here. So, you know, countries have got plenty of money to send to the Middle East, to Ukraine. They haven't got the money in their own countries to to raise the next generation of, of, of workers, of, of families. You know, they're raising a dysfunctional generation. And with my kind of broader hat on of the totalitarian tiptoe and the dystopian future, which we had a taste of, over the last three and a half years, I do rather think this this has got to be orchestrated. It, I don't think it's, oh, sorry, you know, we've got a lot of kids living in poverty. Sorry about that. No, I think there's something because when you raise people in poverty, when you raise children in poverty, they become easier to control because they end up as traumatized adults. That's my take on it. It's not that it's not, it's nothing in the report that says that. That's just the Gemma Cooper analysis behind it. And Gemma, I say always trust your gut, and your gut is absolutely awesome. You're always on point. Your intuition is fantastic. I think it's orchestrated too, and that's why we have to work hard to counter the mechanisms that are in place at the moment. Gemma Cooper, an absolute superstar. appreciate you. Looking forward to chatting with you again here tomorrow on TNT Radio. We'll be back after this. TNT Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal, net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit um, because of immigration. I voted because of democracy, but millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people, but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives. One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like, I don't remember what I did last week, but like, I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy. There's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible, I'm dying. I wasn't working. I had all of these hospital bills. We had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air. On the air 24-7, your news talk giant, TNT.
the saying that my next guest has said, you know, create a problem so they can sell you a solution, and they certainly are doing that. Foreign foreign influences and spies with dual Australian nationality are now going to have their citizenship stripped. We warned about this yesterday when we talked to Simeon, uh, the Aussie Cossack, uh, here on TNT Radio. He's going to join me now because we want to find out what happened in Parliament today. Simeon, give us an update. Well, just as we warned and we expected yesterday, this bill, this amendment to the uh, citizenship bill was passed today. The only parties that opposed it to their credit, and you'll never hear me say this, but well done to the Greens for standing up to this. But the reason the Greens were against this is because they love the refugees. Yep. And this whole bill came about uh, on the back of the government's uh, blunder or so-called blunder of releasing into the community a whole bunch of detainees. Now, I put it to the general public today, Dean, that this is a case of create a problem to sell the solution. They didn't care about these refugees. There wasn't a problem. But that was the necessary catalyst to create the outrage in the parliament and in the media and in the community for everyone to say, well, this is ridiculous. We need harsher laws. We need to amend the citizenship bill, which has already been amended a few times under Peter Dutton. And there was all this banter in the government. But what is the real reason for doing this? It wasn't about the refugees. It wasn't about these potential criminals or the so-called criminals or alleged criminals in the community, in my opinion, the main angle that they've taken today in Parliament was to add to the list of offences that are punishable uh, by uh, revoking citizenship foreign interference. That is the elephant in the room, which no one's talking about. The media have brushed on it very slightly. Uh, this is what I believe the real reason is to passing these amendments. Uh, this foreign interference situation is, I believe, I'll put it this way, my mother would tell me, not everything's about you, Simeon, the world does not revolve around you, but I can tell you <laughs> hand on heart, here it is, hand on heart, I think that they've done this to get me. <laughs> Mate, well, mate, you certainly fall under the umbrella of the people that they're targeting. You know, some people would argue, I mean, we've already had some of those people that have been released out into the public and they have re-offended. But this is where you and I agree completely that the legislation should have targeted, you know, violent people, rapists, uh, people, um, you know, there are certain groups that everybody in, in, in Australia would agree should be deported if they re-offend, et cetera, etc. But what they're going after is people who simply have an opinion, people yeah, who they will then say are in allegiance with foreign governments. And we've seen them do it to Russia and China. There, over there, there and are two over. parts. There are two parts of this legislation. There's the legislation that they're brought in for the general consumption of the public. The reason why they're doing it is to stop these uh, refugees, asylum seekers, whoever they are, from offending in the general public so they can deport them if they have offended, if they've done these serious crimes like terrorism. And we know what type of people the terrorists are. And fair enough, most Australians would say that's a fair enough deal. Yep, deport the terrorists and strip them of the Australian citizenship. But they slipped in there foreign interference. And that's such an ambiguous law. Foreign interference is so wishy-washy. It's so broad that it's not about breaking the law. It's about the discretion that the government has to pin you for it wherever they like. Now, if the government was fed income about foreign interference, they would look in Canberra in the hallways of parliament, in the offices and the lobby groups in parliament, namely the Israeli, the American, the arms companies, the Pfizer's, the Moderna's, the AstraZeneca's. These are all foreign companies. The government also wanted to place genocide or incitement of genocide or genocide in general as a reason uh, to strip citizenship. Well, I put it to the general public that which organisation in Australia 
has been involved in genocide of the Australian people in the last three years. It's not the Russians. <laughs> it's not Aussie Cossack. It's not Putin. It's not my YouTube channel. It's not, I don't know, some Russian uh, conspiracy theory. It is people like Greg Hunt, Gladys Berejiklian, Brad Hazard, Dan Andrews. These are the people that are involved in genocide. And if it's proven, and it looks like New Zealand's on the way to finally making some ground in proving that the vaccine situation was indeed a genocide, a government-approved and promoted genocide, well, yeah, sure, strip their citizenship. Go for it. I'm sure Penny Wong has a uh, has a passport uh, hidden away because she wasn't even born in Australia. That's right, Penny. You're born in Malaysia. I was born in Sydney, in Western Sydney. And to question uh, my allegiance to Australia, you know, these people need to look at themselves. Even if I have, uh, Dean, uh, been sympathetic to Russia and com given commentary on the Russia-Ukraine situation, it's always been also in the view of Australia's interests. And that's just my position, right? It's a unique position. I've always spoken about not getting Australia involved in the war overseas. Uh, these people in Parliament, these people in Canberra, have said, get Australia involved. Get Australia's armoured personnel carriers. Get Australia's missiles. Give them away for free. These people have demilitarised Australia, but they want to point the finger and accuse others of foreign influence. What foreign influence? Let's talk about foreign influence. Let's start with Canberra. Look at yourselves. Look in the mirror. Penny Wong, Richard Miles, Albanese. Who's influencing you? It's the American advisors. Close down Pine Gap. Uh, figure out where the agencies in Australia get their advice from. It's not Aussie Cossack. It's not the Russians, right? The Russians, they don't care about Australia. I'm sorry, newsflash, Russia doesn't really care about Australia. For uh, Russia, Australia's like the moon. It's far away and most people won't ever go there in their lives. But uh, the Australian government is completely under the foreign in influence and foreign interference from uh, well-known powers, which is why this legislation, it's all about discretion, how they interpret it, how they interpret what is foreign interference and what's not foreign interference from the British or from the Americans through AUKUS. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah, we welcome that. Yes, foreign interference. Let's give $365 billion to AUKUS. No problems. That's not even, oh, the submarines are going to come in 2060. Oh, that's all right. We'll give you the money now. How is that not foreign influence? That is, of course, foreign influence. So they, they are the pot calling the kettle black. They've uh, stooged this legislation up just to get that foreign interference in there. I am very certain that uh, in the near future, uh, they will try to apply that foreign influence charge to me personally. Uh, I can't see anyone else in this country who is a prominent person who could be accused of that. And I'm sorry to say, but I just completely fit the profile. And I'm being completely open about it. And one major factor of foreign interference is the fact that someone is covert. If you want to know what the Aussie Cossacks are saying and thinking, tune in uh, 5.20. <laughs> yes on TNT Radio with Dean Mackin on <laughs> Monday to Friday at 7 p.m. till midnight on Saturday nights for the Aussie Cossack Show. I mean, uh, there's nothing, yeah. It, it's very hard to say, you know, somebody is covertly interfering when you're one of the most high-profile and more rec most recognisable faces out, out there. Uh, mate, it's crazy. I mean, I have no ties with Russia whatsoever. I'm in lockstep with pretty much everything that you've ever said about Russia. So, I mean, at what point do they do that? Mate, and here's the other thing. For those people who we would agree, and not those who, who speak up, I'm talking about, you know, the violent criminals, the rapists and whatever, who we would like to see deported, 
All they have to do is go and rescind their foreign citizenship, as I had to do with my UK citizenship, so I could run as a politician last year, and then they can never, ever deport them because they can't leave them stateless. So really, it's a bit of a toothless tiger as far as the ones we really would all love to get rid of. And for those who they would love to blow up into something that they're not, it's going to suit them right down to the ground. All one-way traffic on foreign interference. But it's, it's another government scam, and this is the last sitting of Parliament. There's so many important issues out there, but they want to ram this through Parliament, bipartisan support, like it's so important. Well, let, let me uh, give you a newsflash, uh, Australian government, uh, to, to James Patterson, to Penny Wong, to Claire O'Neill. You may have got this through, but there's one problem. If you're planning to charge the Aussie Cossack with this and strip me of Australian citizenship, because everyone knows I've got Russian citizenship now as of October, and now all of a sudden, coincidence, they bring in this law. There is one problem. To strip me of citizenship, what they would have to do is convict me of foreign interference and then sentence me also, because only a court, according to this legislation, only a court can strip you of citizenship if it's through uh, the offence of foreign influence. So good luck getting me before a court. That's not going to happen uh, unless um, something outrageous happens. So they've really, uh, they haven't really thought this through. That's the first thing I noticed. In their well, legislation. Simeon, when it comes to outrageous things, all the things we thought and said they can never do that, they've pretty much done it all, mate. I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, I hope you're here for a long, long time and uh, we get to keep doing this. Simeon Boykov, a.k.a. the Aussie Cossack, mate, appreciate you very much. We'll chat tomorrow. Good, good to speak to you. Uh, speak to you tomorrow, Dean. Thank you. We'll be back with Bernie Finn on the other side of this. Stick around. This is TNT Radio. What are you guys doing today? The news. Now, TNT Radio News. Sounds good. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Qatar has demanded the UN Security Council step in to end the bombing and suffering of civilians in Gaza. Three of America's most prestigious universities have come under fire after seemingly admitting allowing their students to call for the genocide of Jews, so long as it's within the right context. And the director of the FBI has warned the terror threat in the US has soared to an all-time high, saying he's never seen a time where so many threats are elevated at once. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And welcome back. Politicians only talk to the ones that are fair income. It doesn't get any more fair income than my next guest, ex-Liberal MP, Bernie Finn, uh, a man who fought not just for your rights as adults, but for the rights of unborn children. That, to me, makes him a super champion. An ex-talkback radio announcer and uh, uh, absolute hero of the people, Bernie Finn. I have missed you. How are you? Mate, mate? I've missed, I have missed you. I have missed you, let me tell you. I, I was very concerned for your welfare. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> I did. I did send a number of messages out into the into the stratosphere, uh, but didn't get any anything uh, in reply. So I, I was I was quite concerned about you. I think some people thought I'd gone back to my home planet or something. Boom boom, uh, <laughs> mate. Lots to talk about now. You know, here's the Victorian, you know, ombudsman Deborah Glass finding that creeping politicisation, as if we couldn't tell. You know, mm, gee, mm, well, mm. There, there's a real, you know, bombshell. But it's yep. nice to have it put out there by somebody in on an official platform to say it's happening. Uh, you know, all the uh, it's just, I mean, they they've been overstepping for a long time. The mark where common sense ends. But I mean, you're feeling it. You're living it. 
down there yeah, in Victoria. Absolutely. And of course, mate, how you had to endure it as being a Liberal well, Party MP down there for years. Yeah, well, Dean, I've got, I've got to say to you that Deborah Glass is one of the highest integrity or women women with one of the most highest integrity levels uh, that I've ever encountered. Uh, I mean, she took Daniel Andrews on head on. Um, she told the truth about what was going on in Victoria when nobody else would. Uh, she was shunned by him. Um, she, she's Unfortunately, she's giving the, the game up uh, in, uh, I think it's in February, which is which is most unfortunate for Victoria. Uh, but she has been for a decade. Uh, she has been a warrior for the people of Victoria. And, uh, you know, I can only say to uh, to Deborah Glass, well done. Uh, you are uh, you are a champion. Wait, uh, you, you, and, could... uh, you should be very proud of what you've done. It's funny, even though she's done it in her official capacity as the Victorian ombudsman, like you could almost, it's almost like she's a whistleblower to come out yeah, and well, say yeah. the truth. It is so rare that when you hear it, whether it be in an official or an unofficial capacity, she's almost going to have to go for this uh, whistleblower award. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that I spoke Incre of earlier. Incredibly rare and, and very, very dangerous, I've got to tell you. Uh, her, her stoicism has been extraordinary. Uh, during all this, and her bravery uh, is unquestionable. Uh, you know, she she is truly one of the great public servants that this nation uh, has seen over well, I don't know, over the last perhaps fifty years. Uh, she she's just an extraordinary person, and she she knows and has has pointed out exactly what's going on in Victoria. And you've got to remember how Daniel Andrews got into Parliament and how he became Premier, and that was through branch stacking. Uh, he was one of the great branch stackers of the left, uh, and uh, when, when Andrew, uh, when Adam Somirak rather was uh, was stacking for the right, um, uh, Daniel Andrews was stacking for the left, uh, and that's how he got into Parliament. He stacked his way into Parliament, and then uh, he stacked the place out um, to get to, into the premier or into the leader's job. And then, of course, when he became premier, he ensured that uh, the the right faction uh, was was almost destroyed. Um, it, it was largely dead, I think, uh, for, for yeah. a very long time. Uh, but uh, what, what Andrews has done in Victoria is he has stacked everything. You know, he, he, he took over Victoria Police uh, Command. He's taken over the various courts. Uh, he's taken over just about every, well, I can't think of any public service uh, area that he hasn't taken over. Yes. Um, it, it's, just, it's just been horrendous. Uh, you know, this has been like Yugoslavia or somewhere uh, pre the, um, the fall of communism. Uh, they, you know, it, it's just been dreadful here in Victoria. Uh, we put up with it. We've had to put up with it. But uh, you would hope that now with Jacinta Allen, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm being, I know I'm being very optimistic here, mate. I'm Cross being, those I'm fingers. More than, I've got more than my fingers crossed. I can tell you that my eyes are starting to water. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I have to say to you that um, you know she is very much a a protege um, of of uh, the despot. Uh, and uh, I fear to think that uh, she will be just as bad, if, if not even a little bit worse, uh, and uh, nothing will change. Nothing will change at all. And, you know, what, uh, what, what we need is more Deborah Glasses. We, 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 don't, we don't need her to go now. Unfortunately, that's, that is what's happening, but, um, and you can hardly blame her uh, given what uh, has occurred uh, over, you know, the last, the last decade. Uh, but um, to have somebody who actually points out uh, what is going on in the state um, when so many others just, you know, hide under the bed, um, just, you know, protect their own uh, own devices. They, they are, uh, you know, there's a lot of gutless wonders down here in the state. 
uh, and um, she's not one of them. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, we, with a, a government, you know, it might, might be new leadership, but it's the same government, uh, and uh, we, we're going to have a lot of trouble uh, over the next uh, few years getting all that under control. Well, I mean, you've basically answered my next question because the fact that she's brought this to light, um, it really doesn't change anything. And my question would have been to you, how do we change things? And it's getting people such as her, such as Deborah Glass, getting them into positions of more influence or just finding people exactly like her and uh, maybe a bit of branch stacking the other way. But, I mean, I don't think it would have come of uh, much surprise to anybody because, you know, there's Dan Andrews, a guy with as much you know, charisma as a Kentucky Fried Chicken small mashed potato. I mean, he's, he's about that level. And I there gonna, he is. I, I thought you were going to say a Kentucky Fried Chicken leg after it had been chewed. No, no, that's much nicer. <laughs> that's got much more charisma. I've got a couple of pugs that would agree with that. But, mate, just absolutely frightening. And, of course, you know, people such as him, I know I'm, I'm digressing a little bit, but, you know, there they all were, all the, the players, the major players of the last three years, they've all either stepped down or been squeezed out and off to much better, higher-paid positions as well. Mm. And I'm not reading anything in, into that. I don't think I need to. Um, but the simple fact is, mate, we're very much in short supply of strong leadership, um, and as I pointed out to my previous uh, uh, co-commentator, mate, I just cannot believe, I mean, I sincerely cannot believe in 2023, after what we just went through, after we just went through, that there hasn't been an organic shift to the right. But instead... Well, the, see, see, that's the problem, mate. That is the problem. There has been an organic shift to the right, but there's nobody there to actually accept it. Because the libs have moved so far to the left, yeah. you can't tell the difference between between uh, Liberal and Labor. Not here in Victoria, <laughs> not in Queensland. You know, I was just reading before about uh, Christopher up there, and that's what I call him, Christopher Uh, You know, uh, up in up in Queensland, you know, he's he's just um, totally um, abdicated his his responsibilities to uh, uh, the social conservatives up there, and he's thrown his lot in with the ALP. What what? Why would you bother? Why would you bother? Uh, even um, thinking about voting Liberal if they're just as bad as Labor. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very keen to get up there next year to, to help campaign for Family First, who I'm uh, uh, very um, warmly embraced by these days. Uh, so I, I'm hoping that uh, we, can, we can have some impact. But, you know, it is so frustrating. Um, in most of the, the states in this nation, there is no difference between Liberal and Labor. You, you, you just cannot see any difference at all. And that is that is just hopeless, absolutely hopeless. So I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that Family First uh, will be able to use their preferences to um, reward a few people uh, and to, uh, to punish a few people as well. Uh, so we get some, uh, some, some good people uh, into Parliament who can make the right decisions for a change. Bertie, you are a glutton for punishment, but I, I'm glad you are. I saw you were doing that Senate run. And uh, someone who has done very well politically, and, of course, on the on the last occasion where you lost, it was a, such a narrow mm, loss as well. Just it a was. couple more people who didn't go and do the right thing and move to Queensland, and, and I think that you, you might have been in. And we need people like you. Would you, um, failing that, would you ever consider a return to radio where perhaps you could do some good? Oh mate, look if 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 I if I don't get into Parliament uh, this time, um, I would have to look at look if, if there's a radio station that wants me, I'd certainly uh, you know I've, I've never I've never uh, known a microphone that I didn't like, uh, <laughs> and uh, I I would be I'd be very happy to take it on, but uh, you know I'm I'm concentrating 
um, on uh, on getting a Victorian Senate spot for Family First uh, at, uh, at the next election. I'm, I'm starting a very uh, rigorous campaign uh, in the new year uh, where I'll be visiting every part of Victoria, uh, speaking to, uh, to, to people in the street, to public meetings, uh, in the media, a whole range of places uh, right across this state, whether it be metropolitan or country. Uh, and, uh, you know, I want to I want to get the message out there that there is hope, you know, that, that uh, we're not all the same, uh, that there are people standing up for what is right. And, uh, and I'm one of them. Family First is, is standing up for what is right. Um, and you don't have to stick to just voting Liberal or Labor. There, there, there are other choices. Uh, and I think that's um, that's very important. Yeah, and of course, mate, they're not really a choice at all. Uh, you know, the duopoly—they're not even mm. pretending anymore. And I mean, no, they aren't. I mean, he look how quiet he was during the no campaign. It was almost uh, like a pantomime. It was really yeah. just—he uh, was there for looks and about not much else. Um, why they can't get others back who had previously been uh, well liked, I have no idea. But then we look at Stegall. Look at the seat that she's in now, and mm. you know, and and have a look at who Tony Abbott used to be in that same seat. How does yep. a seat? where he did so well, switch to somebody who is tantamount to the Greens. Uh, some very strong, some very intelligent campaigning by the Teals, it would appear. But uh, yep, mate, yep. your party, very aptly named, not just uh, for what your policies are, but for the people who are in it, yourself, of course. And uh, we wouldn't be doing this, would we, on radio, in politics, if it wasn't for the kids, for those who are going to come after us. I think well, that's mate, the that, one thing that, that drives that is, us. That is the, the first responsibility of every adult is to back our kids. Uh, and if we don't do that, then we failed. It's, it's as simple as that. And, yeah, yeah family first to me, um, they, they have embraced me so warmly. Um, I, I have enjoyed uh, that embrace, I have to say, uh, and uh, and I'm really looking forward uh, and I'm very hopeful. Uh, if I can get into the Senate, I tell you what, that uh, that uh, Marina Fruki or whatever her name is uh, in uh, New South Wales, <laughs> yeah. oh, is she going to cop it? Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. And, and uh, Lydia Thorpe and a few others uh, because, uh, you know, it's uh, – Oh, excuse me, it's about time that um, somebody stood up to them uh, because n nobody else is. That's, well, that's a tragedy. All I can say is if you get the opportunity, God help them, Bertie Finn. Yeah, looking forward to it. Mate, you're going to put him into another orbit, mate. No, I really do appreciate you. You've been with the boots on the ground. You're going to do the campaign. You're going to get up there. And it's it's hard yards running, you know, politically. I've done it three times now. It takes a lot out of you. It takes mm, everything. It's exhausting. All your time. It is exhausting. And you wouldn't mm. do it if you weren't fair income, you know, when you're on the right side. And I didn't mean that in both both ways. Well, um, can, I, can, I, can I tell you, Dean, I don't want to go to Canberra. I hate Canberra. The <laughs> last place I want to go is Canberra. I am running because I have to. Yep. Because, you know, I look around this country, <coughs> oh, excuse me, I look around this country at the moment, I see uh, the place is a mess, I see what's happening to the kids, I see what's happening to families around the place. It's just tragic, just tragic. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I can't walk away from that. Yeah. And, and uh, I can't walk away from that. But, uh, you know, if I, as I say, if I get to Canberra, uh, I'm, I'm going to pull a few hand grenades out and, uh, you know, <laughs> watch out. Yeah, mate, I, I pray that you get in. And that's how you know someone's <laughs> fair income. When you hear any political candidate say, you know, I didn't want to do this, but I'm compelled to do it. That's how you yep. know when someone's yep. fair income. Well, Doesn't I tell you, much... given, given the choice of a beach on the Gold Coast uh, or, or miserable old Canberra, give me the beach any day, but that's not where you change things. Uh, I have to go to where you change things. And unfortunately, sadly, uh, Canberra, which is the biggest single mistake that Australia has ever made, oh, yeah. that's, where the, that's where the decisions are made. And... Um, that's where I have to go. Well, I hope you end up there, but only for all the right reasons. Otherwise, 
enjoy that spot up on the beach, and I might be up there on the next uh, next deck chair. You know, sounds good to me. On mate. the beach. Best. Thank you, Bernie Finn. We appreciate you. We wish you all the best, mate. We'll get you on, of course, uh, from time to time, and we will remind people, um, especially those listening in Victoria, who you know when they put pen to paper, who to vote for. Bernie Finn, you're a legend, and I thank you, mate. We'll talk again soon. We will, Dean. Good on you, mate. Thank you. Yeah, don't forget his name, all you Victorians. We're going to be back on the other side of this. We're going to be talking to Dr. Julie Sladden. Stick around. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, of course, the biggest story in climate right now is Vice President Kamala Harris leaves for the climate conference with the biggest carbon footprint in history. She's heading to Abu Dhabi or whatever for COP28 in Joe's place with hosts under fire for wanting to push oil and gas deals. Do you know why there's so many people there? Because they realize what a scam this is and they're trying to push oil and gas deals. Anyway, she left and there's 400,000 people expected there. Now, do you really believe that there's 400,000 people are all interested in eliminating fossil fuels? I would say there are quite a few of them, given Abu Dhabi is in the Middle East and there's a lot of oil in the Middle East, that are seeking to do business because they know what a scam this is. And let's see, at its head, Sultan Al-Jabbar has denied reports he's using meetings at the summit to make side deals on fossil fuels produced by the United Arab Emirates. I'm sure he's smart enough to probably be doing that. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather, even if we can't go over to Abu Dhabi, because it's the only weather you got. I said, could she die? And the doctor said she could. It was so scary. When I started clawing at my neck and trying to breathe and I thought, you know, what are we going to do if I die here? <laughs> How's everyone going to go on? When someone's gravely sick or injured in the bush, they rely on the Royal Flying Doctor service. But now the Flying Doctor needs your help to fund vital medical equipment and supplies. Please search Flying Doctor online to give a regular gift of just $10. You can help equip the Flying Doctor's teams to respond to any emergency anywhere. Search Flying Doctor online. Become a part of the Royal Flying Doctor service and help save lives in the bush. The conversation continues Continues. with Dean Mackin on today's News Talk TNT Radio. And welcome back. And what... Katie Hopkins, or who Katie Hopkins refers to as our wonderful rabble, and I'm proud to know a few of them. Uh, They're busy in the chat, and we appreciate you. Uh, Also, Tribe, we like to call you Tribe. You are part of the Tribe. Kevin writes, it started back in 1972 when the Labor Party was voted in with each year. They incremented just a little bit to the left, and now it is so far to the left, it's a complete joke. And uh, note that the Labor and Liberal Party are both the same, as Bernie Finn did say. Yes, they certainly are duopoly. And then somebody asked which party, (laughs) when it comes to the duopoly, which party do the Chinese prefer? Probably the Labor Party. But these days, I really don't know if it matters. I really can see very, very little difference. They 
they create problems so they can offer you a solution, but they are minor problems or non-existent problems. They offer a solution. You vote for them solely so they can solve a non-existent problem. Meanwhile, the real problems in the world just go unnoticed. It's like a magician. The pretty girl walks across. You watch the pretty girl. The hand, the sleight of hand, done somewhere else. And we miss it. It's very, very unfortunate. My next guest is wonderful Dr. Julie Sutton, a medical doctor, a freelance writer with a passion for transparency in healthcare and a true champion of the people. Hey, Julie, how are you? Hey, Dean. I'm doing really well, thanks. And thanks for having me back. It's great to be here. Oh, it's always an absolute pleasure. And despite the fact that, you know, the stuff that we we deal with, it, it does take a lot out of you. You always do it with such positivity. You're always so um, so happy and so willing to participate. And that which you do, I would like to, on behalf of our audience, thank you for. You know, you've been a tremendous um, um, advocate for all the things that we should have heard and heard so seldomly here in Australia and around the world, New Zealand included. Now, of course, talking about New Zealand, Barry Young, the whistleblower over there, who is going to, and I hope he does, expose NZ's lethal vaccine data, man, who came across this data by way of the job he was paid to do. And for doing the right thing, now he is going to be raked over the coals. Um, where do we start on that? Well, look, this story is blowing up all over the, um, the, the internet and certainly the, well, what was previously known as Twitter, X, the X-sphere, yeah. Um, and we've been aware that the data, that there was data coming and that yeah. there was a whistleblower in the wings several weeks ago. And this was um, revealed uh, in some footage that was released on, I think it was Thursday last week. And since then, uh, really, the, the the poo has hit the fan, um, for want of a better description. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> put it, that's putting it mildly. And this this data had been shared with a number of people confidentially already. Um, I believe Steve Kirch and I think Andrew Andrew Brigden, the um, uh, UK MP, um, had also seen the data prior to you know the big disclosure. And then, obviously, the the public got to see some of the 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 data, not in its raw form, but in tabulated form. Um, through uh, New Zealand Loyal and Liz Gunn was um, instrumental in, you know, le leading uh, Barry Young through through that data. And, you know, I watched the, it was over an hour long uh, expose on the data. And I haven't seen the, the raw data myself, but it was certainly compelling in that I thought if this is true, if yeah. this data, you know, stacks up, then this is huge. Uh, so since then, <laughs> Yeah. A number of a number of interesting things have happened. Oh, they certainly. Are. And by the way, just Liz Gunn. She really is a gun. She is phenomenal. She's exactly what New Zealand needed. And uh, I'll tell you what, she's really going to make a meal of those who uh, who would uh, try and circumvent that which she is trying to do. Absolutely. Uh, she's been um, very. She's been instrumental in bringing this out. But I know that she's um, she's been on this path for quite some time as yeah. well. And just like your previous speaker, uh, I don't think she she can't not do what she's doing. So yes, as uh, many people out there working to bring the truth out. So so since that um, that uh, data was well, since the film footage was released, and then the data was um, started to be released to people. Um, I understand that. Steve Kirsch lost access to the site where the data was being held and it was, I understand it was de-identified data, but the um, New Zealand uh, Ministry of Health, I think, uh, re 
asked for an injunction to get that data um, uh, removed. And also Kevin McKernan, who was the scientist who was, this is where our little, where all of the worlds are colliding. So Kevin McKernan, the scientist who um, brought us all that information about the DNA contamination in the uh, Pfizer and Moderna mRNA jabs, he had managed to da download, I understand, the, the raw data, and then his mega um, account was account was suspended. And that account actually contained what he says up to about $200,000 worth of data, you know, if he had to put a value on it, including yeah. the sequencing information that he had there and, and information that was going to be and is, you know, pending to be used in court cases. So... This is all gone very. It's very. It's it's a very big story at the moment. Meanwhile, um, I understand that Barry Young was uh, arrested, um, for for breaching. I can't. You remember the exact words? Injunction. Oh no. So he he was for for, bre for breaching the the Data Privacy Act. I think yeah. or so words to that effect. Um, I'm not sure whether he's being released released on bail yet or not. But um, it really. It was interesting that the words that were used uh, were not that the data was untrue, but that um, that that confidentiality or data breach had been had been um, had is what had occurred. So they're really trying to hang on to this data, and I think the the more that um, the lack of transparency is shown, um, the more it just doesn't help their case at all. This this information will have to come out and be scrutinised um, by independent people, one way or another. Yeah, certainly a developing story that's going to blow up immensely, one that we're going to follow very, very closely. And let's hope it has a, a good outcome. Let's hope that data gets out there, because I would suggest that data uh, won't just be specific to New Zealand. It would probably be indicative of what's happened in everybody that adopted the same uh, protocols over the last three years. I can't believe we are only less than four weeks away from 2024, and we still have in some states of Australia, people who can't return to work, people who are much needed. And I'm talking about the 30 Victorian firefighters who still can't return to work because of COVID mandates. This is ridiculous. It's absolutely outrageous. Um, I think I called it mandate madness <laughs> that we have these, these fireys. There's at least 30, possibly 50, that we're just not entirely sure what the numbers are because not all of them are members of the Australian Firefighters Alliance. Her, and that organisation was was set up to 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 fight these these just draconian mandates, but it's gone long beyond not as if it ever was a reasonable response. But it's gone long beyond a joke. Yeah. Um. The fact that they're facing their third Christmas, um, not being able to do their chosen profession, and meanwhile, uh, these same firefighters could actually volunteer at the same station. But they can't as wow. they're in their paid occupation. Wow, that's but crazy. It gets even better, though, well, worse, as it were. Um, apparently, according to the Freedom of Information Act that was obtained by um, Josh Hawkes from the Australian Firefighters Alliance, uh, the uh, Fire Rescue Victoria actually identified in their risk assessment that though, that the jabs, a potential side effect is pericarditis, myocarditis, yep. thrombosis, and possibly even death. Now that freedom of that that information that risk assessment should have been I understand handed on to to the firefighters but I, they had to get a FOI to actually see the freedom of information request to actually see the to see that 
And that, that's outrageous as well. And meanwhile, the word is that apparently no one who's actually working on the ground in the Victorian uh, firefighting, uh, Fire Rescue Victoria at the moment has actually had a jab beyond, I think it was uh, May 2022. Wow. So they, they're doing stuff on paper, but it's yeah. not being followed through in the workplace. And meanwhile, you've got able-bodied firefighters. We've got another fire season coming up. Seriously. Yeah. And, and what's even worse, these are guys, despite the way they were treated, want to come back so they can help the public. I mean, they want to come back despite all that was done. That makes them heroes in my book. And Dr. Julie Sladden, thank you for coming on the program today. Thank you for drawing light to that. And I hope, um, again, there's a terrific outcome there. I'd love to see them compensated and back paid for the last three years. Good luck with that. But uh, mm -hmm. what tremendous fellas, uh, probably a few gals in there as well. And we just hope that they can return to work as soon as possible. Dr. Julie Sladden, thank you for your time here on TNT Radio today. He's an absolute legend. And speaking of legends, uh, Lambert Opic will be coming up next. And of course, the wonderful Katie Hopkins, who is back. And she's bad. And I mean, bad in a good way. Absolutely wonderful. You never quite know what she's going to say. And her program is just gold. I'm going to be having a coffee, getting ready for that. And I hope you have a coffee ready. Stick around. This is TNT Radio. And don't forget to tune in to the video stream as well. We'll catch you tomorrow.